We are finishing today our sermon series uh, from the summer entitled By Faith. Those are the two words that you read in almost every verse in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith. And today what we're going to see is that the author of the Hebrews probably could have kept going for many, many, many more chapters as he listed the Old Testament characters, those people of faith. And so today we'll just look at some of the other heroes that the List that, that are listed here, and then some that aren't as well. There are a few more names that the author is going to share with us, and then in general, he's going to talk about the characteristics of faith, how faith stands up under trials. And as we think about the faith of Old Testament, the Old Testament believers will think also about our own faith and how God gives us the blessing of endurance and perseverance through that faith. Let's take a look at what the writer to the Hebrews says in Hebrews 11 verses 32 to 40. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword." whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. This is the word of our Lord. I suppose if I would ask the question, how do you define the word hero, we might get a bunch of different answers from the people who are here this morning. I know that there are people when they hear the word hero that instantly think about the comic book superheroes like Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman. But then realizing that, that not all heroes wear capes, maybe we think of other people who are heroic in our lives. Maybe a parent or another relative, maybe a friend, maybe that tutor that helped you get through that class. Over the last five months, we have come up with a new name for those who we might call heroes. They're called essential, right? The essential workers. And think about all of the people who keep this world going, whether it's truck drivers, retail workers, grocery store workers, and then of course our medical professionals, doctors and nurses, all could rightly be called heroes. As we've walked through Hebrews chapter 11, one of the things we've noticed about the heroes of faith is that they aren't always that heroic. In other words, what we've seen in many of their lives are some of the same sins and temptations and frustrations that we feel. That's what makes going through this chapter so amazing, is that we recognize once again that, that being a hero of faith, being a person of faith, isn't about me. It isn't about what I do, but it's about what Jesus has already done in our place. That's what makes you and me heroes of faith, just like the Old Testament believers 
It's who our faith is in, our Savior Jesus. Today, as we walk through Hebrews chapter 11, the final verses, let's think about God's protection for you and for me from, from really the day we were born all the way to the day that we'll enter eternity. And as we think about God's protection, we're going to note just a couple of things about faith. First of all, that, that faith is what is able to endure suffering for a, for a bit. But that same faith then knows that we will enjoy perfection forever. Did you hear the first verse, the first words of the verses when the writer says, I don't have time to tell you about all of these other people? It isn't so much a concern about, about time as much as how much space it would take up to talk about all the other heroes of faith. And so he gives just a few more examples to us of who those heroes of faith are. In other words, I suppose you could say the writer to the Hebrews is saying, have I, have I shared enough with you? Do, do you get the picture? He throws out a few more names, from the, most from the period of the judges. He talks about Gideon and Samson and, and Jephthah and then Samuel as well. References King David from a different era, all who are considered heroes of faith. And what he does is point out some of the achievements that those people had because of their faith. They conquered kingdoms. They administered justice, we're told. And as he's recounting these examples, we get to see the enduring nature of faith. The fact that it holds up even under trials. And then we start reading things that we know don't apply to those people that he listed. But other heroes of faith from the Old Testament. Did you catch it when he said, quenching the fury of the flame or shutting the mouths of lions? Maybe that takes your mind to... Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar. And you remember those three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace or Daniel in the lion's den. He mentions women giving, giving back or being given back their dead. And maybe our minds go to Elijah who raised the widows at Zarephath's son or Elisha who raised the son of the Shunammite, Shunammite woman. But then the author talks about not so pleasant things that happened through the Old Testament heroes of faith. Some of the perse persecution they suffered. Jeers, imprisonment, chains, flogging, torture. And then he goes one step further. Some even faced death. Did you hear the descriptions? Stoned, sawn in two, killed with the sword. Some of the Old Testament believers faced difficult deaths. There's a method to why the writer to the Hebrews lists all of these examples. If you read the whole letter, it becomes very apparent that the people who received the letter initially, the Hebrews, were suffering persecution. And all of these examples are an encouragement to them to say their faith was able to endure and your faith will be as well. Maybe as I read the descriptions, it got you to wondering a little bit. Maybe a couple of questions pop up in our minds as we think about this long description of the Old Testament heroes of faith. The first one that came to my mind is, why? Why do some Old Testament believers escape serious situations like a fiery furnace or a lion's den and others suffer death by the sword or stoning or being sawed in two? The Bible doesn't directly answer that question for us. But the writer to the Hebrews gives us a little clue. It's tied in those words, the world was not 
worthy of them. Those are great words. A great reminder that it isn't about this life that God is most concerned. He's most concerned about us getting to a place which is better than whatever this life has to offer. We'll speak a little bit more about those words in a few moments. Maybe the second question that comes to mind is, as we look at all of these Old Testament heroes of faith, we might say to ourselves, well, what, what feats has my faith accomplished? What, what great things has God asked me to do with my faith? And maybe there are some here today who can answer that question very quickly. Maybe you've had a bout with cancer or another serious illness that has caused you to buckle down and hold on to Christ in your faith. Maybe it's been a financial issue or a loss of a job that has hurt you. Maybe it's a relationship that hasn't worked out the way that you'd like it to and that's been a trial to you as well. Maybe some of you are here today thankful that you haven't been called on to, to do that much suffering for your faith. That's a blessing too. Whatever the case, if you're on one end or the other or somewhere in the middle, the important truth, the important thing that the writer to the Hebrews is trying to drive home is why faith is so great. And it again isn't about what I can accomplish or what you can accomplish, what any of these Old Testament believers accomplished, but what God accomplishes through us by the faith that he has given us. That same Old Testament believer faith that endured through all of the trials, even death, that's the faith that endures in you and me as well. It's hard to think that way sometimes, isn't it? Because if we're honest with ourselves, we would love a situation in which everything in this life would work out just as we planned, right? Wouldn't that be great? If today went according to plan and then tomorrow and the whole rest of your life went just how you wanted it, no troubles ever, no trials, no difficulties, that'd be wonderful. No pandemics, no virtual classes, no student debt, no soured relationships, no social unrest. What a great world that would be, right? And there is a world that will be like that. But it's not the one in which we're living. And God wants you to be there and he has a plan to take you to that place through Jesus. But in the meantime, as we're here in this life, it isn't about how great we can make here, but how great we'll have it there. That's what God wants us to hear and know. And the trials and the troubles and the difficulties that God allows into our lives give us a chance to exercise our faith. It's what makes your faith stronger. To face troubles and trials and look somewhere outside of yourself, look to your Savior to say, that's how I get through it. That's how I make it through. It's what Christ has done which gets me from point A to point B. And when we flex the muscle of our faith by looking to eternity, by looking to heaven, that is a true blessing. That's exactly what the writer to the Hebrews is talking about with that phrase, the world was not worthy of them. Isn't that an amazing phrase? Whenever I think about Christians who die, maybe particularly Christians who die very young in their lives, with their whole lives in front of them, I often think of this phrase. The world is not worthy of them. Think, think of what that's saying. Is that God is sparing someone that he takes home early or at a, whatever time in life from any other troubles that this world has. And their home in heaven was free from all of those trials and troubles. That's the goal. That's where we want to be. I know it seems backwards. 
because we live in a world which fights to stay in this world and make this world as great as it is for as many days and weeks and years as we can possibly make it. But when we hear what God has in store for us in heaven, when we see these Old Testament heroes of faith, that's exactly what they looked ahead to. They looked ahead to something that was so much better than what this world had to offer. The writer to the Hebrews says this, by faith they were commended. They were approved by God for looking ahead to something that they never got to see. Just consider that for a minute. The Old Testament heroes of faith kept holding on to something that they never got to witness. They never saw Jesus come. They never received the blessings that God had in store for them through Jesus with their own eyes. And yet they still knew God's plan. They still knew God had a plan to redeem and save them through that coming Messiah. And that was their goal. Their goal was something greater than this life, the life with Jesus forever. As we are here this morning, we can relate a little bit to those Old Testament believers in this sense. We, we don't know. I don't know how many days or weeks or years God is going to give you or me yet in this world. But do you see the challenge that the writer to the Hebrews is giving, not just to those who read that letter initially, but to us too? Think of the difference between you and me and those Old Testament believers. They looked ahead to something that never happened in their lifetime. We get to look back on something that's an accomplished fact. Jesus has come. The Messiah that God promised to those Old Testament believers is here. He's already accomplished everything that God sent him to accomplish. And yes, it's not fully ours yet at this point. It's still in heaven. But it's already done because Jesus finished it. God's plan to take you to heaven is sure and certain because it's completely tied to what Jesus has done, to Jesus' victory. Jesus took down Satan. He routed sin. Jesus left death in the dust when he rose from the dead. And that idea of what Christ has done, it changes the way we think. It gives us a whole new perspective on here versus there of what good and well, what's good and what's bad. Think of it in these terms. When something great happens in your life, maybe it's something as simple as enjoying a good meal, maybe it's passing a class, maybe it's getting that significant person in your life to recognize how important you are to them. Whatever it is, those blessings are just a small picture of the joy that is going to be ours in heaven. And then when trials come, when the frustrations happen, that's when we get to think about, oh, you know what, that's only a short time. It's only going to last for a little while here and I have something that's going to last forever there. Everything that is, every event in this life points ahead to something so much better. The last phrase of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 40 says that, that together with those Old Testament believers, we are going to be made perfect. That word for perfect has the idea of the end, the goal, the fulfillment. That's what God wants for you. It's what he wanted for all the Old Testament believers. He wants us to reach the goal of our faith, the salvation of our souls. It's exactly what the Apostle Paul was talking about as he wrote these words to the Philippians in chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. 
Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. A couple of takeaways from our sermon today. First, number one, faith trusts God despite suffering as we look ahead to something better. Yes, the frustrations, the trials, the ups and downs of this life will come, but they're not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Number two, Jesus' victory is our victory. We know we will live with him forever. How do we know? How can we be so sure? It's in Jesus' own words that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. And finally, number three, we say confidently, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Maybe you recognize those words from the book of Philippians. The Apostle Paul wrote those words, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let's talk about that just for a little bit as we wrap up this sermon series. What does it mean to live is Christ and to die is gain? Well, living for Christ means, first of all, this, recognizing that even the difficulties that come into my life are blessings from God. They're still meant to point me ahead to something better. If, if I have to wrestle for my faith a little bit, If I have to fight for something that's important, maybe it teaches me to appreciate and cherish what God has done for me in Christ. I think there's a second part of of living is Christ. You don't have to even really pay attention to the news to know that it's been another rough week in our country this week, right? And if I think about those things, the thing that jumps out at me most as I watch the news coverage and I watch what's happening is the hurt. People are hurting. There's anger. You can tell they're missing something in their life. And you know what that something is. You know what's missing because you have it. What's missing is the love of Christ. What's missing is Jesus. And you and I have that to offer to the people of this world who are searching for something, some meaning in their lives. Pray that God gives you opportunities to live as Christ by, by sharing the great news of what Jesus has done. And then to die is gain. When God decides that it's time that the world is no longer worthy of you or me, then we'll have the greatest gain of all. We'll be with our Lord forever in the eternity he has prepared for us. Living is Christ. Dying is gain. We win either way. Amen. Peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds. In Christ Jesus, amen.